Welcome to Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show, your place for a detailed analysis of each episode of Star Trek Discovery. Now here are your hosts, Sean Ray and Rick Tatro. Hello everyone and welcome to Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. My name is Sean Ray and tonight we're going to be talking about episode 7 of Star Trek Discovery's first season which was titled Cause and Effect. I'm kidding. <laughs> wow. it, it was called it was called Magic to Make the Sanest Mango Mad, which was written by Aaron Eli Colit and Jesse Alexander and directed by David M. Barrett. And I butcher people's names every time I do this. But spoiler alert, the discovery was destroyed and everybody died last night. <laughs> <laughs> But here with me on the mic is, uh, first and foremost, my co-host and Star Trek expert extraordinaire, Rick. How are you, sir? Stella! (laughs) I knew somebody was going to do that. (laughs) And also with us is my cosmic potato counterpart, Mr. John Irons. How are you? Rick! And our guest tonight is the owner of Baron Space Media and the host of the Quantum Leap podcast, Mr. Albie Burge. How are you tonight, sir? I am staying alive. (laughs) (laughs) The the Simply Syndicated's disco after show. (laughs) Uh, I guess a good place to start is, Albie, since this is your first time getting to join us on mic, uh, why don't we just take a minute and you tell us what you have thought of Discovery up to this point. Have you been enjoying the show? I am loving it at this point in the show. I was a little skeptical going in because of, uh, quite honestly, the Klingons. Like, I wanted to love them, but, you know, they just, uh, I was like, uh, they don't look like Klingons. And I, <laughs> I, I wanted, you know, intellectually, I wanted to rise above that and be like, it's okay. Klingons always evolve, right? And there's there's reasons, and we'll find out later. But I just kept looking at them, going, Ugh, "Not Klingons." But luckily, I'm past that. So loving the show. Went back, rewatched it a couple times so far, and uh, yeah, it's Star Trek, and I love it. Okay, okay. Well, uh, we'll just kind of go around the circle and give some initial reactions to the episode that are kind of spoiler free. I don't think that anybody listening to this would be listening if they haven't seen the episode. But just in case, uh, if you haven't seen the episode, it'll be safe to to listen to this part, and then we'll go into some spoiler stuff in just a few minutes. So, uh, Rick, what were your initial thoughts on, uh, the, on episode seven? I expected this to be my least favorite so far. Uh, I really don't care for time loop stories. Um, you know, cause and effect was was a good TNG episode but it's not one of my favorites although I did enjoy watching the Enterprise D blow up over and over again cuz yeah. I hated that shit but um I, I this as much as I wanted to dislike this one it just totally p- sucked me in and it's absolutely completely because of Rain Wilson as Harry Mudd he is so nailing this character uh I I want more mud <laughs> and I've never said that before <laughs> I've said that once <laughs> and it, it's, pretty, it's pretty great and it backfired yeah <laughs> no no it worked out worked out well <laughs> John what was your what were your initial thoughts um 
Well, I did like the I did like my whole review kind of thing, so you may want to skip me. Okay. For a while. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. Albie, do you have any specific thoughts about this episode? As soon as I found out this episode was a time loop one, I got really excited. One, because this is the episode I'm on your show and talking about this episode. And another reason is I love time travel stories. And I'm a fan of uh, time loop stories in general, like Groundhog Day and uh, what 1201. And there's a book called Replay. And uh, I just went and saw Happy Death Day, which is a time loop movie yeah. that's in the theaters right now. Um, you're just a fan of them. The, the great part about them is... Um, it's uh, you can see how almost the butterfly effect. Every little thing you do changes everything. So I'm I'm a fan, and um, the only bad thing about the time loop episodes is me. I like to watch Star Trek episodes multiple times, and if you watch a time loop episode multiple times, it just gets really old really quick. So that's the downside. But I really, I really enjoyed this episode, and I, I think it was. Um, yeah, it was kind of like cause and effect because the ship keeps blowing up, but it was different enough to where it was uh, entertaining, and I really loved the crew interaction in this episode. So that's what got me excited. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, when the the main difference, I guess, between the, this and cause and effect, which I'm to to be honest, it's been probably ten years since I saw cause and effect, but. There wasn't we we were not left out of the mystery in this episode. I mean, there was no mystery for us to solve. We knew what was happening the whole time. I think cause and effect. There was more of a mystery of why this was occurring to them, and uh, but you know we knew from the from the word go on this what was happening. I like this episode. I thought that it's not the strongest episode of this season, but it is. It felt the most Star Trek. If that makes any sense, um, mm. it felt the most yeah. like a like a standalone episode. Even though there was some character development with with uh, Michael that we'll talk that we'll talk about in a few minutes, but uh, I love Star Trek time travel stories. I get annoyed sometimes because they they change their time travel rules every time they do one. <laughs> because uh, you know, in the J.J. Abrams universe, time travel creates an entire new universe. So theoretically, they would have started about ten universes last night. <laughs> but uh, fifty-three, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 50, 54, 54 Okay, actually. yeah, yeah, yeah. fifty-four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was another At thing. Least. Yeah, that was another thing uh, uh, that I was questioning. Uh, oh, where are we? Are we moving on to spoilers? Let's move on to spoilers. Yeah, well, <laughs> I tell you what. Okay, John, go ahead and give us a plot yeah. summary, and then we'll and then I'll I will finish my thought. All right, it's not a plot summary. Okay, well, but. It's, uh, it's like a all right. I gave I gave you a had plot. one job, yeah. John. My, I gave the plot summary. Everybody, I did everybody job. died in the discovery of the story. So, <laughs> all right. we'll, we'll reset it later. Over and all right, over so, again. Uh, there are two things that I love about this show, about discovery in general, uh, that they are masters of theme. They are masters of foreshadowing. And this episode, we had a nice dose of both thematically. Burnham's log about repetition kicks off a time loop episode, and Burnham putting her career above her personal life is echoed in the sad plight of the Gormagander. Um, the Gormagander spends his life so consumed with his task that it never gets around to mating. The guy actually said, do you think it's a lost cub or an old widow? Both of which, depending on the context, could apply to Burnham, to which she replies it doesn't matter because she's all alone. Uh, as for the foreshadowing, 
Last week, we were introduced to those awesome shirts that said Disco, and this week, boom! Disco. <laughs> uh, on, our, on our other show, Cosmic Potato, we talked about sci-fi tropes that we were tired of seeing, and time loops were actually on my list. Uh, it's not that I hate them, per se, it's just that I'm kind of tired of seeing it. Uh, but they did it well in this episode. They did a great mud story, they gave us groovy Stamets, which is always nice. And it's also nice to see, because we didn't really see how Stamets had developed. We knew that he was groovier, but we didn't have enough interaction with him to know if he was still science too. And now we see that he is. Um, I've also said on a previous show that the most traditionally Star Trek episode was The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. Up to this point, I will say this probably takes its place for me. Kind of echoing what you said, Sean. It's the, it's the most Star Trekky episode. Yeah. And um, as a side note, I wonder are like the long titles like an indication that it's going to be extra awesome, like the like the <laughs> even numbered, <laughs> like the even numbered <laughs> movies. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Well, no, last um, episode was my favorite so far, and it was just titled Lethe. Lethe. Yeah. yeah. So it was good. <laughs> yeah. But I this was I like this one more. Um. So for those of you wanting to maybe make this episode at home, just mix three parts cause and effect, two parts I mud, a scoop of rascals, and just a dash of Tin Man. <laughs> rascals. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. Um, and it's also, this was kind of the first concrete example of how they're going to handle continuity within the the larger timeline and i feel like they hit it out of the park so like that like a lot of people i think can breathe a sigh of relief that the klingons are going to end up looking klingongy by the time we get to them um yeah the, the only other thing the only other kind of note i had was they didn't start with the cold open this side which kind of threw me <laughs> yeah <laughs> But, you know, I'm just assuming that somewhere we got lost in the time loop, and they actually did. I just missed it. Well, the the, the two thoughts right. that I had just, just going in, uh, first, what I was saying before was that uh, they said, Mud said that he had killed Lorca 50-some-odd times, but he didn't say that he kills Lorca every single time they go through a loop. And we don't know how many loops they went through after that, so... Theoretically, true. They, I mean, they could have, they could have gone through the loop ten thousand times for all we know, you know. Which, would, yeah, we're not sure even if uh, the first loop we saw was the first loop that they went through. Yeah, yeah, it was the first That's time true. that Stamets really started to to realize that something was wrong, and the whole groovy Stamets thing at the beginning, uh, they had to make his character different than usual. Because they were going to have him do a lot of things in this episode that don't go along with his character. Because normally Stamets could give a crap about Burnham's personal life, <laughs> you know. But in this episode, he, you know, he was he was really invested in it. But uh, go ahead, somebody was about to say something. The, that was me. Okay, um, I'm debating. Like I, I, I thought it was odd that he would focus on. Burnham to convince Ash to convince the captain instead of just focusing on the captain because the captain is open to weirdness. He's open to, if you can prove it to him, he's open to it. 
but I'm well, not I'm not that mad about it because I, I can imagine him getting shot down probably the first dozen times he tried. But if he did something like he did with Burnham, where if you tell me something that only you would know, um, I, he would at least give him the benefit of the doubt. But that said, I'm glad they did it the way they did because I think it's a more interesting story. Well, personally. he may have gone straight for the captain and got killed by Mud four or five times. Yeah, because, <laughs> oh, Lork- because Lorca was cat was Mud's target all the time, so he had to kind of maybe go. All right, I can't go straight to Lorca. I've got to find a way to get up there without getting shot. <laughs> uh, so maybe that's why you know, like you said, we don't know if that was the first one or not. Maybe that's why he went for Burnham instead of, or why we saw him go to Burnham. Yeah, it made sense to me for him to go to Burnham. It didn't make sense for me to me for him to go to Burnham to go through Ash because I I thought they well they're only doing that because they want to wedge in this whole romantic uh, side plot and all that kind of stuff. But uh, but absolutely him him going to Burnham made sense because he knew that she would be able to, she would be the one if anybody could figure their way out of it it would be her. I was fine with. Ash being a major player in this because he's the chief of security. I mean, it would make mm. sense that if you were going to involve someone, um, you know, to stop an assault on the ship, it would be the chief of security. Yeah. And he also was the only other person with firsthand knowledge of mud. True. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, that was, that was the main reason he was trying to get Ash under, you know, in, in on the thing, just in case Ash knew anything, which conveniently, of course he did. Um, you know, yeah, like you said, this was one of the most Star Trek-y episodes because there were there was an improbable plot, there were <laughs> awfully convenient ways around it, uh, and we had a you know a character who was just this side of turning on the news just to hear pertinent details to the ex- thing you're going through right now, uh, you know, trope. But it was still fun, and that's the that's the main thing about this episode that I liked was at this point in the show. We needed a fun episode. We needed, you know, I, I I hesitate to call it a light episode because of all of the horrible death in it. Right. Um, <laughs> but the death was funny. Well, it once it was. That, once you know that the death wouldn't stick, once you know it didn't have, like, real quote-unquote consequences, yeah. then you could just laugh at the many ways he was, <laughs> he was murdering, he was murdering mm. Lorca. Yeah. He, well, and and killing the un, uh, unnamed communications officer with the uh, uh, did he kill that guy? No, he didn't. He was going oh, he to. Okay, he was going. Yeah, to. he was going to. That's right. He, he may have killed that. That's right. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he did at one point. Yeah, I really like the fact that this episode did something different than any other time loop story I've ever seen has done before. And the person caught in the time loop and was that was aware of the time loop. Wasn't the, uh, the episode wasn't the point of view of that person. Right. It was still the right. point of view of Michael Burnham. And I found that really refreshing and new. And, uh, it, it was interesting to see him come in later and try to convince everybody what was happening. And we weren't let in and following him through the episode. So I thought that was a really good writing trick that they did. Did it seem odd to anyone other than me that last episode ended on such a big cliffhanger only to be picked up with a party? Because at the end of the last episode, Cornwell's being taken <laughs> prisoner by Klingons and 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 uh, and they murder everybody else that had beamed over to 
to the uh, peace talk that they were having. And then when we picked up this episode, Michael Burnham's going to a party. <laughs> well, just... the crew doesn't know the crew and the, and the crew, you know, Cornwell's just another, another admiral. They may not even be aware that, you know, that meeting was super top secret. All most of the crew, you know, for, for, uh, except for a very small number of the senior staff and Burnham, yeah. all the crew might know is there was an admiral on board and then she left. Right. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. It's good for morale. They, you know, they, they said they were turning the tide in the war and they, they needed, you know, they needed to, to celebrate. And this episode only took a half hour in their time. So yeah, it's not like she was on the planet getting tortured and we missed it. It probably didn't even happen yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of liked that it was just a, a 30 minute loop. So um, I think in some of the other time loop episodes that we've seen, they, they can go hours and days or whatever. This one was just 30 minutes and it resets. So that was pretty, that right. was pretty cool. Uh, I have a question, probably for Rick, I guess, as a Star Trek expert. Um, <laughs> Is 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 alcohol okay now? Like, uh, when do they Sin- okay, okay. <laughs> Synthahol is a creation of the next generation. Okay, okay. That was up until uh, in TOS and everything beforehand. The booze was real. Yeah. Uh, All right. There you go. So yeah, I loved seeing drunk Tilly. Sorry. <laughs> yes. I love seeing Tilly was. Yeah, she was still a badass, which was which was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was it was cool that she was called in the work kind of uh, drunk and she still did her job. And that was awesome because that's more realistic than, you know, in next gen when everybody's drinking at the hall and they can just shake it off and be ready for battle stations. Yeah. Tilly's like the ultimate wing person because mm. she's like, oh, that dude's really hot. I like him. You do. Good. <laughs> I'll put you together and then I'll go find mine. <laughs> yeah. I love, love, love Tilly. She's like my favorite character of this uh, series so far. Yeah, Tilly's pretty great. Yeah, I put in my notes. Uh, Michael doesn't party very well. Tilly Tilly parties a little too hard uh, she, <laughs> because you know. I, well, see, but the the line that I liked from her. Just right. Well, yeah, the line that I liked from her was when she said, uh, "I'm I'm I'm kind of going for musicians now." And then she sees Ash and she says, "I like soldiers again." <laughs> yeah. Well, I, the bit I loved about Tilly in this episode was that, and they only showed it once, was when. She took the drink out of that dude's mouth and mm, shugged it yes. down, and then he tried to go to kiss her, and she just dodged him and just went so like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I that's that one of the things that's great about this series, Like, I, and I think something that uh, Enterprise missed out on, being so close to our time and then somewhere in between our time and the 24th century where everybody's pretty stoic and, you know, goody two-shoes and on mission and uh, like a Boy Scout um, – this is like a mashup of 21st century people and 24th century people. So you, you have like Michael Burnham who acts kind of 24th century ish because she's got the Vulcan training and she was, uh, she lived on Vulcan for so long and tried to be a Vulcan. And then you have Tilly, which is, could be just any one of us right now. Like, uh, and it's just a great mashup that I think is making the show, especially this episode, like we were talking about making it more Star Trekky and, to me, that was what sold it for me. This episode was Tilly and that drink scene and the whole thing. Yeah, you know what I just realized? It just dawned on me uh, to compare and contrast this scene. Um, and this is this is 
kind of referring back to the would they be partying um, with a similar scene from Deep Space Nine during the Dominion War, uh, where it wasn't a party so much as just a gathering in the mess hall when Cisco was putting up the new list of names of the dead. Yeah. And the difference being on DS9, they were they were like the base. They were they were back in the comfortable zone reading the news about who of their friends were getting killed. Whereas the crew of the Discovery, they're on the front lines. They've been kicking Klingon ass for seven months now. And so far, they haven't lost anyone. Um, and so, the, the, you, know, you know, you see a lot of the, the footage from Vietnam, or, or at least what we consider to be, you know, the cultural view of Vietnam soldiers of, you know, 23 hours of abject terror and then just total party in the camp. Uh, to blow off that, try to blow off some of that tension. Uh, mm. So I think maybe we're seeing a little bit of that transposed into a, a war in space. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, so, so to dig into the uh, plot a little bit, uh, Michael and Ash get called to the bridge because there's a space whale out there. There be space whales out there. <laughs> and, uh, and John, you wrote down the name of the whale. I, I, all I wrote was space whale. What was it? What was it called? <laughs> Gormagander. Okay. Gormagander. And Gormagander. Uh, so they have to beam it onto the ship. Not, and... not to be confused with Gormadon, who is the villain of Ninjago. <laughs> <laughs> they have to beam it to the ship and uh, transport it safely because it's an endangered species and they're, they're obligated to make sure that it gets to uh, a sanctuary and so the when the thing gets on the ship it opens up and somebody comes out and starts killing people and it turns out H- to be hang on just be- go ahead before we go much further than that can i just interject something really quickly here yeah if you are ever in command of a starship with a transporter and you encounter a creature that lives exclusively in space <laughs> and you feel the need to beam it onto your ship Crank back on the gravity just a touch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised. The poor thing was just squashed onto the deck there. Yeah. I, I was, I was, kind, of, I was kind of questioning how it could survive because it, it didn't look like they put up any kind of a force field around it or anything. I was thinking that too. Yeah, and there was no vacuum, so it probably would have exploded or no, imploded. One of the two. Yeah. No, it would have well, exploded. If it's. If it's no, imploded you're right. somehow. If it's somehow sealed from its environment, then technically its environment wouldn't matter. Maybe but, it's capable of entering planets' atmospheres. Who knows? Sure. But wouldn't just well, taking control of another life form like that? Oh, sorry. Wouldn't taking control of another life form like that be against the prime directive? Or am I wrong on that one? Well, it's not intelligent. Oh, okay. Is the is the, the I just, believe that that would be the, the you know it's an animal and it's. Why they felt they needed to relocate it, who knows? It, it was a plot device, but mm-hmm. yeah, because, show. yeah, because they even they even said if if the captain doesn't do this, he could be court martialed. <laughs> so you can be court martialed because you don't move a whale. So <laughs> yeah, um, so the uh, the guy that comes out of the space whale and starts killing people, he's wearing his so his space suit looks like it's like a, I, I was imagining that it was an Andorian space suit because it, it is the, it, it is yeah. an Andorian space the suit. antennas and everything yeah so. Uh, but it turns out to be Harry Mudd, and he has escaped from prison, and uh, and now he's coming to uh, to take the ship and sell it to the Klingons because of the spore drive technology that they have on board, and uh, he blows up the ship, 
and everything, and it resets back to the party <laughs> because he says uh, he 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 tells the captain, "Hey, uh, I can't I can't do it this time, but I have all the information that I need for next time." And the captain's like, "What are you talking about next time?" And then he blows everybody up, and then it resets, and we're back at the party again. So uh, so yeah, very so yeah, obviously actually, that that couldn't that couldn't have been the first time because he already had control of the computer and, and detonated the ship. Oh. No, I don't think he, I don't think he had control of the computer. Uh, how did, he, oh, we, oh, that's right. He had the bomb. That's right. That's right. He had, he had a bomb. bomb. I think, he just, I think yeah. he just blew up the, I think he had a bomb inside the creature. Never mind. Well, his ship was inside yeah. the creature. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, uh, but what I imagined in my head cannon that he was doing was this time he can't, when he came out, he went to the computer to find out where, the spore drive was uh, being controlled from. Basically, where is engineering? And once he found that out, he knew that the next time around, he could uh, he could go straight there. Now, I don't know why it, this time around wasn't a full 30 minutes because, I mean, he, he got there and he basically blew up the ship five minutes later. But, uh, but yeah, he... Uh, now I wanted to ask you guys something. I know John, you said that uh, you watched uh, the two Mud episodes a couple weeks ago, and yes, and Rick, I know you know a lot about Harry Mud. I TOS is not my Star Trek. I've seen all the episodes, but I don't watch them regularly. Was Mud this ruthless originally? Did he go? Did he? Did he kill this many people? <laughs> we well, well, we didn't. We didn't see him kill anybody. Yeah. Uh, That's what I was thinking. But okay, I, but I was actually did. having a com- this conversation with someone on on another uh, Facebook forum t- uh, today. Um, if you watch the first Harry Mudd episode, Mudd's Women, he was a much darker, much uh, much more villainous villain than two seasons later or the next season when they brought him back for I Mud. He was much more a cartoon, right? Um, the the first time we saw Mud, I would not put murder past him at all. Uh, and given the consequence free nature of what he was doing in this one, killing everybody and having a ball doing it is, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a dream come true for him. And um, plus, you gotta, it is very personal. You know, they yeah. left him, you know, in a Klingon cell. Yeah. So so. I, you know, it, he might not have done that on any random starship, but it totally makes sense that he would do it on the one with Lorca and Ash on it. He seemed he seemed really out of type for me. He didn't seem like Harry Mudd, even the Harry Mudd we saw a couple episodes ago at first when he came in wearing that helmet and he was killing people. And I was like, would Harry Mudd kill that many people? And then it took me a couple seconds to realize, oh, because it's a time loop, he knows it's really there's no consequences and those people aren't really dead he's just getting them out of the way for now but that first speech he had uh in one of the first time loops where he takes his helmet off and talks to the camera and talks to Lorca, he seemed like to have like a con moment like vengeance and mad and anger and i'm like wow that's not really harry mud but i i liked it and i think it worked uh when you view the episode as a whole right okay so so he the kept, thing about mud just just really uh, just one he's I can compare him to uh, Gaius Baltar in the Battlestar Galactica remake, not necessarily maliciously evil, but supernally selfish. Yeah, mm. yeah. 
And so if it suits, you know, if it's something that will further their own agenda, they'll do it. And that's how I've always seen Mud is, you know, he's out for one person in the galaxy and that's him. And anyone that gets in the way is either of use or in the way or, or an obstacle. So he will use people however he needs to to get what he wants. Well, we get to see him murder Captain Lorca over 50 times. Well, we don't we don't watch him do it over 50 times. He, we're told that it's that many times and we see a montage of some of the uh, some of the ways that he kills him. You know, he shoots him a few times and. He uh, throws him. He beams him outside the ship and lets him suffocate in the vacuum <laughs> of space once, and and things like that. It kind it, it made my brain hurt to think about getting killed that many times, and you can't remember being killed. <laughs> but uh, but Stamets <laughs> is the only one that can remember that anything is happening. Uh, the, the the fact that he has tardigrade DNA in him is making him exist outside of the normal time stream. So we get into this little routine where. He has to keep telling Michael what's happening because he realizes that she's. I guess he realizes that she's the only one that she's going to be able to figure out how to get it out, get get him out of it. Uh, the The middle of the episode kind of slows down because Stamets tells uh, Michael to tell him a secret so that the next time around he'll be able to tell her that secret and she'll know that he's telling the truth. Well, she tells him that she's never been in love. I don't know why that's the secret. That she picks because I'm sure Michael Burnham is full of secrets. <laughs> but that's that's a harmless secret. Yeah, you know that's not yeah. But it kind of played into this, and I, I'm going to get into a part of the 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 episode that kind of ticked my wife off <laughs> last night because uh, the episode kind of puts on the brakes so that they can deal with uh, Michael's relationship issues with with Ash and and I wanted to ask you guys about this. Is it necessary for Michael Burnham to have a love interest or is it just something that Hollywood thinks that they have to do because of a TV show? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's necessary for her to have a love interest, but I find value in it because you know, if she's if she's got this whole uh Spock data you know what's it like to be more emotional and human thing going on? Yeah. Then it, it then it would follow that you know having a relationship would be a part of that. I think the only reason it exists is if we're going along with that whole Ash Tyler is actually the Klingon, so she can feel the betrayal when she actually finds out that that's him. Yeah, I kind of thought if it turns out that he is a. You know whether he turns out to be a Klingon or whether he turns out to be just a, a tra- some kind of a traitor, that you know she will uh, be heartbroken and and it'll mm-hmm. make her separate from the humans even more. Um, my wife, her argument was that it, it seems like every time we get a strong female character, Hollywood has to come along and make it seem like a man has to come along and and fix her or complete her. Or something like that. Now I know that this is a round table of all guys talking about this, <laughs> so it would probably be better if we had a if we had a woman. But uh, you want to you want to invite your wife on to to state her. Piece? I don't know if she's going to be able to hear. Hold on a second. Hey, Sherry. Hey, come here for a second. <laughs> Put this earphone whoa, whoa, in your whoa. ear <laughs> and come and and come and host the show for a minute. And talk about what you told me upset you about the show last night. 
I can I can I can edit it. Don't worry about it. Just put that in your ear so you can hear them. Here's the mic. Okay. Hi guys. Hi Sherry. Hello. Hey. Hi. How's it going? It's going pretty good. The only problem I had is it, it seems as though every time we get a woman who's in a position of power, she is going to be a captain one day. There always has to be a man that comes along in her life. I would argue that there are women out there who would focus solely on their careers. Why don't we see those women? Why don't young girls see those women? I don't I was, disagree with you. Uh, however, my, my, my only I, my only rebuttal to that is in this particular situation, um, we've got a lot of we've got a lot of different things going on on the discovery. We've got one established relationship we've had the captain have a hookup which was a little problematic about that i I didn't talk about that last week because i didn't didn't really occur to me but we can we can revisit that later um uh and the a, a big part of the spine of this series seems to be michael burnham's emotional journey learning to deal with her emotions uh, because, you know, a big part of that is why this she's in the situation she's in, in that, you know, when she feels something, she doesn't have the 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 uh, human background to deal with strong emotions. Uh, and so we see her try to, you know, try to be a hero and totally screw it up and become the mutineer, um, you know, just runs headlong into things. And here we've got one of the strongest human emotions, uh, you know, love or attraction or infatuation or whatever. And then you've also got the added situation of these are people in wartime and it's, you know, kind of a well-established, I don't know if it's a TV trope or it's psychology or, or both, but relationships spring up very quickly in a military situation. And I've, I've witnessed, witnessed this firsthand. Uh, and this was in peacetime. Uh, you know, people tend to hook up like that when you put them in a military situation uh, because they know they may not see each other, you know, after tomorrow or in, you know, whatever. Uh, and you turn that into a wartime situation and relationships happen really quickly. Uh, so while yes, I agree that there are many instances where, where romance is just shoehorned in, it feels, while it does feel a little quick and it seems a little odd that they're pushing these two characters together, um, it also, it, it seems to me just sort of a speeded up, but organic relationship, if that makes any sense. Right. That, that was my main issue is that it just happened so quickly. Why I wish we could have seen her be powerful in charge and finding herself before introducing a man into her life to figure out her emotions, I think she should figure out her own emotions and then worry about a man. <laughs> I'm kind of seeing it from a different perspective, kind of like a girl power perspective, woman power, because she's the lead of the show. And like most shows, most movies, TV shows have a male lead and they get, you know, a beautiful woman just to be the beautiful woman. I think this is a strong female lead and it's TV. It's, it's drama. They're going to want some kind of romance or, or relationship in there. So she gets this sexy guy to be just the sexy guy. 
So right, as long that way. right as long as they're not falling head over head over heels in love right away, mm-hmm. which seems to be the direction that they're going, then right girl power and she's just like any other guy, uh, any other guy captain. But if they go headlong into oh I'm head over heels in love with you, that kind of takes well, away. Yeah, I that. think they're I think they're setting that up for her to take a fall later in the season because I mm-hmm. I really think he's going to turn out to be a traitor. Oh, absolutely. And and I and, I think they're I I think not actually. I've I've kind of well, I I certainly would not object to that, but I think they're pump I think they're they're pointing a little too much at it. That's him. what I was fixing to say. I think that's too yeah. predictable. <laughs> if, if he's not a Klingon, then they're intentionally making us believe that by misleading us again and again. I believe that yeah. too. I don't think he's a Klingon. I never did. He's he's too smooth. He's well. I'll say uh, he's definitely not Volk. You don't think so? I don't think so. There is no way that naive, easily manipulated Volk became such a smooth human in three weeks. Um, hormones reprogramming, some kind of a chair with a light above it on the ceiling. I, don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, if they if they do come up with something like that and it's believable, I'll buy it. But right now, well, I'll buy Manchurian Candidate. I'll okay. buy some sort of experienced Klingon spy having head surgery. I'll I'll accept that too. Uh, but we have the example of Arn Darvin, right? Uh, so we know it is possible because he was yeah. very human for a Klingon. Um, mm-hmm. But um, the other thing I think of is um, the Klingon makeup and the reason why they didn't go with the standard looking Klingons, because if it was the same actor playing two different characters, we would know it right away. This Klingon makeup is so thick, it could be anyone under there. So I'm thinking they might have done that on purpose just to hide its identity for people that aren't paying attention. Well, I think that even even if it turns out that he's not a Klingon in disguise, he may still be the guy playing Vok just to throw people off because if, mm. if you really look at his face if you look at a, a picture of him close up and you and Valk right next to him where the eyes are placed and all that kind of stuff it really looks like it's him under that makeup and they may not do that in the story they it may just be him playing both of those characters so that uh all the conspiracy people will be out there you know giving giving all their giving all their ideas and and showing that hey this is why it's obviously the same guy it may be but that mm-hmm. but that may not be why it may be a red herring one other thing to 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 sherry's point though um all of that romantic stuff in this episode never happened that's true yeah that's true uh-huh. I will Stamets remembers that it happened. <laughs> yeah. But. And, you know, he told them both that, you know, hey, she likes you. Hey, you, you know, he like you like him, et cetera. Um, but they're, they both seem to be pretty weirded out about it at the end of the episode. I was I was going to say this also. Um, this particular episode um, is like like the subtext is, you know, don't spend your whole existence chasing this one thing being so focused on it that you miss you bypass like having real relationships and that that applies to romantic but it also applies to friendship like burnham is isolated like she goes into a whole monologue about it yeah so i i think if this were like happening every episode um if it was oh i don't know supergirl like shall we say um (laughs) Yeah, I, I would 
I would I would quickly be annoyed with that. But so far, they've only really done it in this one, and that's kind of what this episode was about. So I'm I'm gonna I'll cut them a little slack. But I don't I don't disagree with you, Lyle, as far as what I fear they might do. But so far, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna trust them not to do that. Maybe Monel is Vok. <laughs> That I would yeah. buy. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't watched it this season. I haven't seen. Probably, I probably stopped watching. I think the musical was the last one I really watched. The 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 end of the season. It, it, yeah, the musical was the last one I watched too. And then when they brought Cat Grant back, I went back and watched the last few episodes. Oh. Musical, you say? I'm writing that down. I'm gonna have to start watching that again. Oh, it's terrible. It was. It, it is so it, it was. bad. <laughs> What, the musical or the show? The musical was awful. I have to watch was, it now, though. I, it, I was, was so disappointed. Yeah. It was disappointing, but there were a couple of cute songs, which is all I expected. <laughs> anyway, I, this is this I, is not a Supergirl show, or I would go on and on and on. But maybe um, Discovery will have a musical episode before the end of the season. I don't know. They shouldn't <laughs> talking about it. I think if they go seven seasons, it's bound to happen. Yeah. <laughs> all, all of the Star Trek episodes ever, there hasn't been one musical. How many Westerns have there been? You know, think about it. That's true. That is true. Um, <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to techni- technically, Deep Space Nine did have a music-heavy uh, episode on the hollow on the hollow suite with Vic oh, Fontaine. Right, yeah. It wasn't technically yeah. a musical episode, but there was a lot of musical numbers in that episode. But James Darren, and there was the brilliant opera bit by the Doctor where he was trying to get Tom Paris to give Tuvok a shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I'm a big fan of Rent and Anthony Rapp from Rent, and uh, also um, his uh, boyfriend. Uh, I'm trying to think, Doctor Culber Wilson Cruz. Yeah. He was Wilson also Cruz. on Broadway uh, musical, and you know, if you're going to do it, do it with those guys. Oh yeah, yeah. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna make a lot of people angry, but you're gonna make a small amount of us very happy that we have <laughs> the Star Trek Discovery, the musical soundtrack, CD, poster, LP. Well, there are very few successful actors that can't sing, so I'm sure it would be, you know, talent wouldn't be a problem. I think uh, Sonequa Martin-Green can sing, I think. Uh, and, uh, hopefully it's the one where Scott Bakula guest stars as the Admiral, you know. <laughs> In the old man makeup. Yeah. Honestly, they could actually, not that I'm pitching this, because I kind of don't want it to happen, but it wouldn't be too far a leap to have Stamets do some kind of dimensional, have some kind of dimensional head trip. Mm. Where where everybody's where singing? Are, where people are singing, and he's just and they're looking at him like he's crazy, but he's perceiving he's hallucinating. You know, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe maybe it's like it's like it's like the buffiness where he actually taps into a bit of telepathy, but he only hears them as song because in his mind people only say their true thoughts in song, like in musicals, like the Scrubs musical almost. I didn't see the Scrubs. I saw oh, it's pretty good. Everything is uh, about your poo, apparently. Um, but, uh, I'm getting chills just thinking about the musical discovery episode. So I hope it happens. I'm, I'm a big fan. I'll vote for it. I'll sign a petition. I'd love to see, Sir, I'd love to see Saru do a tap dance number. <laughs> but he probably hoops. could. Yeah. Uh, talent on this cat cast is ridiculous. Oh yeah. Can we talk about Stamets for a minute? Yeah, sure. I was worried about Stamets in, you know, as everybody has been, you know, last episode, where even Lorca was like, the fuck? <laughs> um, but this one, 
you know, it started off with the, you know, him hugging uh, Burnham because she was sorry that she knocked his stuff out of his hands and stuff. And I was like, oh, here we go with more of that. But then once things became serious, he became serious. And I am no longer, you know, I was never kind of, I know that the rumors are out that there's going to be a Mirror Universe episode. And Jonathan Frakes said that and everybody's like, oh, it's Mirror Stamets. And then there was the Mirror. And I you know, we're watching, you know, him being all groovy and happy and sweet. And they're like, well, is, did he get split in two? Is this mirror Stamets? What's going on? And this episode showed me <clears throat> that we're, uh, this is Stamets. I was, I was doubtful. I was like, is this the same guy? This is the same guy. He is just absolutely euphoric about being part of the Spore Network. Um, because we saw a little bit of the kind of grumpy Stamets in this episode that, you know, he could put away the hippy dippy stuff and focus on the task at hand and get, you know, and once, you know, once he reached his breaking point, uh, you know, we got a little bit of the old Stamets back. I'm not sure. I like the new kinder, gentler Stamets more than I like the, the prickly mad Stamets, but you know, maybe he he'll find some sort of happy medium, but I think this is Stamets. And I think what this showed, what happened with the mirror is just that he is outside of the regular timeline now, mm. or a part of him exists outside of the regular. So that was not a Do different Stamets in the mirror. It was just a, a f, you know, an echo or something. Yeah, that was something I had put in my notes. I didn't, I didn't know if that reflection that we saw a couple episodes back was kind of foreshadowing this episode, or if there's something else that's going to happen. I'm sure that whatever is going on with Stamets being out of sync with time or whatever is going to have something to do with the series again. There's going to be another episode where that plays into the plot. I'm going to uh, go out on a limb and say it's going to be the uh, mid-season finale where that's going to come into play before they go on hiatus. What do you think all the mirror reflection things are? Because there's this Damitz one and then there's uh, Lorca and as he's staring into the his window looking outside, you see his reflection and also yeah. the Alice through the looking glass thing. They're putting it in there pretty heavily, but I don't think this is the mirror universe at all. But the I don't know. Why would they do that? Is there a reason you think? That was Red a herring. Yeah, that was something uh, that Jonathan Frakes put out there. He's messing with us. I'm telling you. <laughs> he, oh, he if, could. if Discovery turned out to all be in the mirror universe, I would be flipping tables and <laughs> rage quitting pretty much Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It would get old quick, right? If they went a few seasons. Like I said before, we don't really know how long the time loop was going. It could have been a few days. It could have been hundreds of years for all we know, but... Because Mud was not going to stop the time loop until he figured out how to run the spore drive. And he wasn't going to figure out how to run the spore drive until Stamets told him that he was the missing ingredient. Because Mud would have never figured that out on his own. Right. So so there's no telling how long that was going on. So, um, like I said before, the fact that Stamets is existing outside the time stream is probably going to play into this again, along with... And I, I still think that the whole um, mirror hologram that Michael was using a few episodes back, I think that's going to come back. 
<laughs> I think she's going to use that mm-hmm. in, uh, to get out of uh, some kind of a sticky situation at some point. My wife just texted me from the other room and said that, uh, let me pull it up. She said that if Ash did a magic mic number, it might make women feel more empowered. <laughs> hey, I'm all for it. Uh, it's a long time coming. You know, women deserve that, I think. And she says, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the, the episode ends with the crew outsmarting Mud. And all that really had to be done was to get Mud to just keep resetting. As long as he could keep, as long as they could keep him resetting then they would learn every time they learn more because Stamets learned more about what was going on. So he could give her, he'd give Michael more information the next time around uh, and give her more to work with to be able to figure things out. And eventually they, they would have everything worked out within the 30 minutes. You know, it might take hundreds of years, but you know, eventually as long as they keep keeping resetting, then, uh, then they were going to figure it out. And, but he, uh, on the last loop, he killed, uh, he killed Ash and Michael knows that if she doesn't get him to reset it one more time, then he'll stay dead when they rejoin the time stream. So she tells Mud who she is, that she's the mutineer, and that the Klingons would want her more than they would want the spore drive, which is true. They probably would. And uh, even though the spore drive would, would win them the war, you know, their revenge for their Messiah, you know, requires... Michael's head <laughs> and uh, but she so she kills herself to save Ash and everybody else so we've yeah I don't I don't know how much of that was I, I, I think the I'm doing it for Ash was you know a believable line I don't know you know really she needed him to reset it so that they could you know initiate their plan uh, so I I, I, will, I will take her I, I do it you know for the love of Ash with a mountainous grain of salt yeah yeah I, universe, I didn't feel that, that in universe i think that's a big risk for michael to take because harry mudd's just as likely to go hmm. oh well <laughs> yeah yeah right some money is better than no money yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and you know one thing that this episode does and and you know what whenever we do this show ever since ever since discovery started my my sunday nights have been Watch it as soon as possible. Watch After Trek, uh, and then rewatch the episode. So I will have it have it watched it twice. Um, just like you said, uh, Albie, I couldn't bring myself to watch it a second time mm. um, because exact. You know, as much as I enjoyed this, I don't like time loop episodes, and I was I was almost ready to start watching it, and then I started thinking about I can't go through all of that again. <laughs> you know what? It wasn't it wasn't bad. I I I, but, I have I have kind of the same routine and I watched it twice and Yeah, I do the same the, thing also. The effect is that it just it kind of your mind just kind of skipped over a lot of it. Like you <laughs> it, it because you know what's coming. Yeah. Like it, it really it seemed like you know like if you're going someplace where you don't know where it where it is, the drive there seems longer than the drive mm-hmm. home. Yeah. It was yeah. it was like that. I, I figured it might be, but the the one thing that uh, I had to keep I, I, the one problem I think the episode had. Um, there, there's there's only a, I only have a couple of nitpicks about it, um, but one thing is that it's very hard to keep in mind that there's only two people on the ship who know what's going on, 
uh, and that's Stamets and, and Mud. For everybody else, no matter how many times they've done it, it's the first time for them. Right. And so for Burnham to just go ahead and, and eat the freaking dark matter pill thingy, uh, like you said, that's a huge leap of faith because, you know, granted everything that, that Stamets told her has held up and she's seen this stuff happen, it's still, there has got to be some doubt. And yet she does it anyway. And is that is that a plot hole or is that an amazing I, trust? I think it's a calculated risk, and that is Burnham's character. Mm. But she will I, go for I, it if she she'll do the math, and she will. I mean, that's why she's a mutineer. That's why she you know tried the thing with the tardigrade. That's why she she will she will put herself at great risk. If her, her hypothesis seems correct, I would agree with and you. And there's it, no choice. Yeah, it, it's a big leap, like in a half hour, for her to go from having anxiety about going to a party to ingesting weaponized dark matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would, well, yeah, different. within within thirty minutes. Yeah, and but it was Mud's own arrogance that got him because he had to be able to see what she was doing. I mean, that she would willingly just stand there in front of him and kill herself. He had to be able to see that she, he, she was trying to bait him into resetting the time loop again. And he fell for it. Or he, yes. willingly, he willingly walked into it because he thought that he'd be able to outsmart her the next time around. Well, that's well, because it, problem. It was, there was no cost to him. As far as he knew, she would reset. Yeah. Everyone would reset. Um, and her reason was plausible. You know, in, in this timeline, Ash is dead. If I'm, you know, if you want me... It it was it was it was a believable ruse, and he's super super greedy. Well, and that that's also an established thing about Mud is that his he is convinced he's the smartest man in the universe. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, no one can outsmart him. Anytime he loses, it's because bad luck or someone cheated or uh, didn't realize the androids would turn against me. You know, it's. <laughs> It's never his fault. And there we're now people seeing, like that in real life. Oh, I live with one. <laughs> my, my, my teenage daughter. Uh, you know, anytime she gets caught doing something wrong, it's not that, uh, oh, she's mad because she did something wrong. It's she's mad because I caught her. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, so, and we're seeing a mud who's 10 years younger or, yeah. 10 years younger than the mud we will meet soon, uh, you know, in TOS. And so he has yet to be even that much more seasoned. Uh, so his arrogance and his absolute belief in his own superiority is what do, does him in and allow and allows, you know, and Burnham plays on that. And Stamets rewired the captain's chair so that when, uh, when mud tried to call the Klingons, he actually called, uh, Stella, his fiance, and her father, who have been looking for him for a year, and so they let her and her father come in and take him away. So basically, Mud got away with murder <laughs> because he just—I mean—they just let him go. I mean, yeah, they're turning mm -hmm. him over to to these people, but he didn't have to answer well, for his crime. Technically, crimes. the murder didn't happen. Yeah, technically, the murder didn't. Well, happen. I mean, it happened. He did do it, you know. It well, just it just reset. But, 
but he didn't. If, if so, he no did. one was actually dead, right? In this last loop, yeah. right? Right. Correct. Okay. There but no... now, here's my big problem with this episode. My my only really big, and I don't think this is a nitpick. I think this is a significant flaw. I think I might know where you're going, and I'm probably <laughs> going to agree. But let's hear it. Mud knows everything about the spore drive. Yep. <laughs> and they just let him go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, he doesn't, I, I mean, he doesn't know enough. To, like he can't go make his own. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's been studying it for how many, he, he knew everything about it, except that you needed to plug, uh, Stamets into it. Right. Just because you can use a computer doesn't mean you can build a computer. Yeah. yeah well, that's I'm, true. I'm kind of, I'm kind of okay with it because, the spore drive is top secret, but Mud knows a whole lot of top secret shit. So if if I I completely believe that he would have found out about the spore drive regardless, even if he had never seen it, because he knows everybody's secrets. So I'm it it's it's just this side of a plot hole for me, but I'm okay mm. with it. Well, even if he can't replicate a spore drive, he has the knowledge that they have the spore drive technology. So, isn't that worth something to the Klingons? That's that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. Well, yes and no, because the Klingons know what the ship can do. They just don't know how. And mm. even if I, you know, if I tell you spore drive, okay, so what does that mean? Well, they have spores, and there's a guy. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. When when Stella came and and took Mud away, was she taking him to wherever we find him in TOS later, or, or do you think we're going to see Harry Mud again in this uh, series? Because Rain Wilson came out over the last couple of days and said that he hopes that uh, Mud will get his own spinoff show. <laughs> I'd watch well, it. Okay. The way we okay the the way we meet Hud 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 the way we meet Harry Mud for the first time in TOS he's in a stolen shuttle, um, and uh, no he's not in a stolen shuttle he's in his own he's in his own ship, uh, but it's damaged. Yeah, and I think they're being chased by a Klingon. Uh, mm. a Klingon um, ship. No, they're or, being chased by the Enterprise because he. I think you're right. I think they had, they had come out of a fight. With they, oh, they were coming out of Klingon space, and that they right. were damaged, and and and, and it he, ended he up being they, they yeah they wouldn't stop, and they ended up beaming them off, beaming Harry and the and the three women off the ship just before it exploded. Um, so he was well away from Stella at that point, okay. and he was he was basically hiring women that he could just this side of sell to miners. Um, and using a drug to make <laughs> Min- them prettier. Miners, <laughs> not miners. My, miners. <laughs> miners. Better, but it's a little bit better. <laughs> minor miners. Um, <clears throat> you, you lost me. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Who's on Sorry. first? <laughs> I don't know. Point uh, of order. So he was. He was not. And, and and he never mentions Stella in our first encounter with him. No, I think he. I think he does. No, he doesn't. Ah. Okay. <laughs> I will, all right, I will defer to you. I, defer <laughs> I know what episode we're all watching tonight, probably. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, Stella. Stella doesn't become anything until uh, I Mud when he starts uh, 
he shows Kirk the the android that he made of her. And that was my one of my favorite things about this episode because when Stella beamed aboard the Discovery, and we, you know, they only showed her from behind, and I was wondering, I was like, are they going to try to find an actress who looks like the android Stella? Are they, you know, are they going to find someone? And then they pull back, and she's like, she's cute. She's hot, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, and, and my first thought was, hey, wait a minute. And then it all clicked into place that, of course, Harry would exaggerate. Even in his own mind, he would turn her into this shrewish battle axe of a, of a woman when she's mm-hmm. just, just this girl. But yeah. he doesn't want to be married to her. And so See, he, I, don't, I don't know. Keep in mind, it's 10 years later. Yeah. In, in my mind, right. uh, she, they, they went back to Earth and he did live with her. You know, reluctantly, and until he could "quote unquote" escape. So it, there probably were several years of. Yeah, she might not her... have aged so well, and she might not have had the crystals to make her younger looking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe that's and, why he got him in the first place. Right. And like you said, Rick, like any kind of you know, maybe you shouldn't rob those people would be like haranguing for him. Yeah. yeah. How dare you? Well, do you guys have any any final thoughts about this episode before I go into the listener feedback segment of the show? Uh, me, me, I really like the ending. It was very TOS uh, comedy ending, and I, you know, was looking for that uh, little flute soundtrack where it's like <laughs> funny, funny Star Trek original series ending because it, it was right on on point with that, and I, I just enjoyed the whole thing. Now, I did have one issue uh, with Saru because his threat ganglia never came out in any of the situations that he found himself in. So this threat ganglia they're using only as plot devices when they want to use them. But there was obviously a lot of danger around him. You know, when when Mud came on the ship, when when the space whale was beamed on board in the first place, those things should have been coming out of his neck. Nine ways to Sunday. Well, <laughs> well okay. You well, and I have had this discussion. Oh, I, go ahead, John. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, we don't understand enough about his threat gangly to say what will set it off or not. We've only seen it go off when he witnesses something that doesn't seem right or, or he's in the presence of something that is off. Well, he was standing face no... to face with mud. He was standing face to face with well, mud several times and nothing ever happened. I don't. Yeah, but it didn't go off when when Burnham mutinied either. I don't I don't think it's you know in moments of stress or necessarily just when there's danger. I think it's I don't know. I think, I it's, think it's like a slight, like, I, I, <laughs> Well, I, I think you're I think you're giving. I, I mean, I yeah exactly. We don't know what the parameters are for what sets them off. We also don't know if he can keep them from popping out. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, they may go off, you know, he may be, you know, his spidey sense may be going crazy, but he may be able to, you know, and, and this is just going down a really creepy I think mind we all path have, here. I don't think you have to. <laughs> <laughs> is, is this a guy thing? And not a yeah, it's a guy thing. Is that, is, that, is that where you're going with this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's more like. Uh, you want to you come up to the board and do this problem? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I think it's more like uh, goosebumps, almost, but exaggerated. And I think uh, it's the same thing as uh, Deanna Troy's empathic abilities. Like they're really useful when the writers need them to be, but yeah. when they don't, they just ignore it. And I, I don't think there's any way around that. Otherwise, there'd be a solution to almost everything, or you know, 
stuff well, wouldn't the, happen. The first time we are on board the Discovery, I think episode three, I was like, how is his ganglia not going off all the time around Lorca? <laughs> yeah. Lorca is clearly, at, at the very least, a threat. Like, he's, he's extremely secretive and probably dangerous, and yet you're his first in command. How are you not tingling all the time? So... Yeah, I, would, I I think you're I think you're right, Sean. It's it's a it's a writing thing. Like, um, not to well, plug it, another show, but I I watched the Stranger Things season two, and um, there was a little thing with the writers. They were talking about the the walkie talkies. It's like they're perfect because everybody knows they're glitchy, so they'll work when we need them to, and they don't work mm, when we don't. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think it's the same kind of thing. Well, and also it may just it it may be as simple as his ganglia only go off when there's a threat to him personally and yeah. mud never threatened him <laughs> or, or maybe it's a threat that is undefined. When the shuttlecraft took off with the other prisoners and the ganglia came out, I thought somehow he knows that those prisoners aren't going to make it to where they're going. But they said later that it was because Michael Burnham didn't leave with them. But I, I, I wasn't, I didn't buy that. Yeah, the 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 gang. Yeah, the the ganglia thing. It. Yeah, it's it's the it's the plot device du jour. Yeah. And uh, I think we're gonna you know, find. If they out, just sort of forget about it. I'll be happy. <laughs> I think we're gonna find out a lot more about Saru next week because the episode yeah. ten seems to be uh, centered around him a lot, and we're actually gonna get to see them go to a planet because they haven't done that since episode one, I think. Actually, go yeah. actually take an away well, team to yeah. a planet. So, uh, so that'll be interesting to see. All say. right, I want to. I want to say something. Okay. And this is this is uh, a, a little flashback to the Rick from twenty years ago, who was the <laughs> um, actually pushing glasses up on forehead and uh, <laughs> you know, etc. Et it's not a goddamn away team yet. It's a landing party. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 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 That, that happens in the 24th century, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, yeah I, I've I have read many comments and heard various people say like, um, you know, every episode they like every episode more than the last, and I, I haven't necessarily felt that way. Like I've liked all the episodes, but I felt they've all been you know pretty much the same level. Some better, some worse. This is the first time. I, I I like I feel like I'm on board that train because the preview I am this is the first time I saw the preview for the next episode and I'm I'm excited to see that episode. I think I that's going to, to be end. killer. When, yeah, when they I cut really, back from the preview, I'm like, no wait, go go, don't stop. Yeah, <laughs> it looked it looked amazing. It looked amazing. Mm. I really I, I yeah. I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying not to get my hopes up too high. Yeah. Oh, wait, I, did did you guys watch After Track? I did. Always, I yeah. Did, yes. The, the the sneak preview was even better. <laughs> mm. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, what was it for people who didn't see it? Um, they showed them planets. They were uh, in yeah. the forest, and there was that that group. I, I thought they were spores, but I guess maybe they're not. But it was like this conglomeration of glowing dots that that was it was a, a, a they were living beings and they were communicating. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she it, and it, she it was saying. Well, she was saying that they weren't registering as life forms; they were registering as part of the forest. So basically, like the, like the forest is alive, you know. Yeah. So yeah, um, it'll be interesting. 
I love plants. Spirited away Star Trek style. Yeah. (laughs) I have some listener feedback, and I'm going to start with this audio comment that I got from Scott Madison, because uh, this comment is about this episode. I have another email. I have an email that was about last episode, but I'll start with this. And uh, it'll give you guys a chance to uh, take a break because it's about three or four minutes long. But I'll go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead and play Woo-hoo, that. party! <laughs> I'll go ahead and play that now. Hello, Discovery After Show. This is Scott, occasional uh, guest on this show on Cosmic Potato, uh, former co-host of Simply Syndicated Movie News, White Star Five, so on and so forth. This is my call about. The latest episode of Star Trek Discovery. So, I have seen a few people give their impression of magic to make the sanest man go mad as TNG's cause and effect meets ship in a bottle. And I would, for the most part, agree with that and have to add a generous dose of the Tom Cruise film Edge of Tomorrow, or Live, Die, Repeat, if you prefer. And while I appreciate what the cast and crew are going for in this episode, I feel that it fell flat in a few places. Now, for starters, the first thing I notice is that the episode, as the episode went on, um, the approximately 30-minute time loop ended up noticeably shorter, depending on the needs of the story. Uh, Mud arrives, he shoots up the cargo bay, he leads a brief but merry chase before exploding the ship with his remote control. Somehow. But in a subsequent loop, Mud seems to have loads of time after arriving, to stroll onto the bridge, or to the spore lab, or wherever, and go about lots of business before exploding the ship. Somehow. Uh, He can even be dead, and the ship still explodes. Somehow. The manner in which the ship is destroyed never felt clearly defined, nor in any way important. Now, we also see Michael botch the we-have-a-problem talk with Tyler, which takes place before Mud arrives, yet immediately after. Michael and Stamets, they have a chat, they have a dance, and oops, that's the entire loop gone, time for the explodes. There's no intruder alert, there's no shooting, just, just dancing. But later, our heroes will have time to hatch a plan, reprogram Captain's chairs, contact Stella, and have her arrive at Discovery's location all before everything explodes. Somehow. Now, I understand it's easy to get tunnel vision when it comes to temporal nitpicking, so I'm going to move on to characterization. Harcourt Fenton Mud, described in the final draft of the teleplay for Mud's women as scoundrel, delight, conniver, hustler. Now, on TOS, he was less of a villain and more of a lovable rogue. Yet on Discovery, he is a revenge-seeking mass murderer who will slaughter an entire Starfleet vessel's crew to get away from his wife. It felt like quite a bit of a disparity to me. Now, perhaps the psychiatric treatment he received prior to Mud's Women is the cause of this more cute and cuddly TOS disposition? I guess only time will probably never tell us, if we're going to be honest. Now, finally, if we look at the season so far, we can see the threads of the overarching story being woven along. That is why I was so mentally jostled to come back from the close of last week's episode, which showed us Admiral Cornwall being abducted and left us wondering if Lorca had planned for that to happen. Now, cut to this week, 
and the crew is partying to classical 21st century music. Lorca could give a damn about who takes care of the space whale, and nobody cares about where the Admiral is. It felt, to me, like a very clunky shifting of gears that broke the flow of the season in order to bring back a TOS character two episodes after his first Discovery appearance, and in doing so, make certain that every time that I watch Mud's Women or I Mud, instead of a charming con man, I will see an unhinged sociopath who, over who knows how many time loops, shot perhaps hundreds of innocent Starfleet officers to death before exploding their ship. You know, like a murderer. <laughs> uh, yeah that's the end i have to agree with the uh with the part where he was talking about how quickly they had to get stella there because she had to be there within 30 minutes or Here's... otherwise it's free yeah i mean well i mean they did say that they had rejoined the time stream before she got there because his little arm wrist uh his wristband and everything disappeared and he counted down to zero, and they were back in the time stream before she got there. So if their plan didn't work, that was it. They were done. Well, okay. Well, no, he I sent w- the message before they rejoined the time stream. Yes, he told the, the computer uh, to, yeah. to initiate the teleporter when he walked into the room. So the ship was already there. I'm actually, I feel like we kind of addressed the three major points and at least for me they were addressed to my satisfaction as far as the the uh the the flexible elastic 30 minutes i'm actually okay with that too because stamets would streamline his process every time just yeah. uh, you know we like he wouldn't be stumbling around he would know exactly where people are he would know exactly what to say he would know exactly how to do all those little things that he's been doing by trial and error the first time. So, yeah, so a process that might have taken him 20 minutes, he probably got it down to 10 yeah. or 5. Yeah. So I, I was I was fine with that. I was fine with all that. Well, and also, Mud set the computer to overload the warp drive or the warp core or whatever. First thing. That's why the ship kept blowing up is the first thing Mud did was set the ship to self-destruct at like twenty-nine point, you know, five minutes or whatever, ensuring that you know he didn't have to worry about that, so he could focus on other stuff. And yeah, like you just said, Stamets, and and Mud would be streamlining his process also. Yeah, so but it, Stamets it is a hell of a lot smarter than Mud. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and also, and, and, yeah, yeah. So it probably did take him like twenty minutes to take over the ship the first time, and then the next time it probably took him ten. Yeah. Or less. Yeah, because you know when you're playing a video game and you can't and you can't get to the next level, you get really good at everything up to that point. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you die and you come back, you can you can get back to that point really fast because you've done it fifty times. You know. That's true. So. Okay, I have an email. Albie, were you going to say something? I'm sorry. Well, I was just saying uh, for pacing of the episode, they had to do that editing that way, and we weren't going to see every time loop be the same amount of time for us. Yeah. Because that would be boring, and there would be things that wouldn't be pertinent. And if you did it real time, it'd be, what, 25-hour long episode. Yeah. So. I, I was actually very pleased with the way they they 
altered each iteration enough so that it didn't get annoying. And that was one of the things I liked about it. Because in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in cause and effect, that really, you know, especially mm-hmm. on a second or third viewing, it's like, Jesus, just get on with it. <laughs> yeah, I was really, really happy every time it blew up as well. And I didn't like the ship. I just really didn't like that episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, they could have they could have uh, took the lazy way out like a lot of people do. And they'd say, OK, we have the setup and we're going to do it nine times. Same way, but different. But yeah. they didn't do that. They really did a great job varying it up as much as they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Scott. They Scott referenced. Uh, Scott referenced. Uh, Live, die, repeat. The Edge of Tomorrow movie that uh, Tom uh, Tom Cruise did a few years ago, and it was a lot like that. He he kept reliving the same uh, day over and over, but every time they changed it enough to where you weren't watching him do the same stuff over and over and over and over. So, uh, yeah, I've got an email here from uh, our friend Shane Thomas, who I believe hosts. The greatest events in sporting history here on Simply Syndicated. Hey, you're not allowed to say that right the first time. <laughs> uh, and this is largely about last episode, so I'm going to read this. Hi, even though you all focused largely on Lorca and Tyler on the last podcast, it was actually the Michael Sarek storyline that I found more interesting. It raised a number of intriguing issues. The nature-nurture question regarding Michael's human Vulcan identity, even if she's a human, if you're raised in a different culture, then how human are you? Is something her mother mentions to her about not forgetting she's still human and that she should remain in touch with that side of her. In terms of a real-world allegory, it may strike a chord with people who are children of migrants or those who are biracial sometimes struggling to reconcile more than one identity. It's that double consciousness that W.E.B. Dubois once wrote about. It also showed how the dynamic with our parents can change as we get older. As children, we often think of them as infallible, especially fathers. In Leechy, Michael comes face-to-face with Sarek's own flaws and realizes that he's not perfect. The concept of shame is also crucial, Sarek has carried the shame of feeling that he failed Michael for years and and unable to deal with it, has inadvertently passed that shame onto Michael. It's this inability to handle this emotion that causes Michael to fail in his parent that causes Michael to fail in his parental duties. It causes Sarek to fail in his parental duties. I find this fascinating, as despite his Vulcanness, to air is human. Maybe being around humans, his wife and Michael, has rubbed off on Sarek. However, even though Vulcans would say to lean on emotion is problematic, their desire to keep the expeditionary group pure is the other side of the coin that the Klingons are demonstrating in this season. And the conclusion that despite meaning well and how much love there is between them, Michael and Sarek are both disappointments to each other is family melodrama that Star Wars would struggle to do this well. There was enough going on here to write a philosophy dissertation and made this the most rich episode of the season for me so far. In in case you haven't noticed, folks, Shane is smarter than like all of us combined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I read that email and I was like, uh <laughs> I'm so stupid. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I I I agree with uh the the fact that that was the richest episode that we've gotten so far and had the most uh 
I don't know. It was, it's just like a smorgasbord of character development because we got so much uh, character development from Lorca and we got a lot from Michael and Sarek as well. I mean, we found out things about Sarek in that episode that we haven't known for 50 years of Star Trek canon. You know, so that's why, in my opinion, that Leechy was the best episode that we've gotten so far. And Leafy. What did I say? Leechy? I meant Leafy. Leechy <laughs> Le- nuts are yummy. Leechy is. <laughs> I'll never be able to pronounce it. Leechy is something else, yeah. Uh, oh, I've always pronounced it Leafy my whole life, so finding out that it's actually pronounced Leafy has been. Actually, I've always pronounced it also, but I don't know that I'm correct, so I didn't. <laughs> well, I, I listen. I listened to uh, one of the other podcasts because there's like a billion Discovery podcasts, which is no shock. Yeah. Uh, but I was listening to another one, and they actually looked up the pronunciation, and it is Lethe. Because every time I heard someone say Lethe, it, it was like, no, it's Lethe, but it isn't. It is Lethe. When I first I, read it, I thought lathe, and I was thought, oh, they're going to do woodworking or something, <laughs> make <good> legs. <laughs> well, I actually went to you know Google has a pronunciation al- algorithm that you can go to and you can type in a word and Google will pronounce it for you. So I did that before we did the podcast so that I would know how to pronounce it. <laughs> that reminds I, me, Sean. Yes. I know you like uh, do research. Uh, Shun. <laughs> Shawin. I've been, uh, I've been called Sean a lot in my life. So <laughs> I know you do Shawin. like research for the show, which is awesome, but I don't. So what <laughs> did you, did you look up, um, like the the reference that the title is about. This title. Did you find anything about that? Yeah. The the title for this episode comes from a uh, a saying from Homer, not Homer Simpson. No. <laughs> <laughs> the other Homer, and he uh, in one of his writings where he was writing about Aphrodite, and and that was in the quote. I can't. I don't have the entire quote in front of me, but that line is in that quote. Oh, jeez! If that's if that's from, <laughs> I assume the Odyssey, and he's writing about Aphrodite. I'm guessing it refers to temptation. Either the Odyssey or the Iliad. I think it was the Iliad. Okay. Did it, did it say what the context was? If you, like if you, the, I'll edit this part out. If you hold on just a second, I will, I will yeah. pull it up. <laughs> Please to Google it. Yeah. There's, this, there's this website that starts with a G <laughs> yeah. that you can. <laughs> Ends with an Google. Oh, Google. okay. So, so here's the thing. I, oh, I, memory alpha. If you want to be a smart aleck with people online, there's a website called, let me Google that for you. And, yeah. <laughs> and you can and you can type in what the exact same thing that they just asked for, and it'll send them a link. And when they click on it, it's just you filling in the Google <laughs> the Google bar. <laughs> so all right, so let me. I feel like I should explain now. I, I said this to Sean before uh, you were on the line, Rick. I am. Um, it's like the Stone Age here, dude. I've only got my smartphone. So I, I don't have my I don't have my laptop or my other laptop ah. <laughs> available. So I'm uh, yeah. So okay. I can't. Okay, it I'm is so from sorry. it is from the Iliad. I'm not as internet nimble as I usually am. The the quote is from the Iliad, and the actual quote the actual quote is there is in Greek. <laughs> yeah in Greek <laughs> there, there is the heat of love. The pulsing rush of longing, the lover's whisper irresistible, magic to make the sanest man go mad. Mm. So it's about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> it's about some of that, that, that good good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So predictions, what episode are, do they actually hook up, these two? I'm going to say two episodes from now. And it's I'm a, a t- gonna... TVMA. Do you think we're going to see nudity in Star Trek? 
No. no. Not, not from her. I mean, we okay. we had I, I we technically had we technically had nudity in uh, Enterprise. I don't think we're going to see more than what yeah. we saw there. We saw a bare bottom in Enterprise a couple of times. Um, <laughs> kind of side boob. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um you know, I I think all of that is going to happen on the the mid-season finale. Um I think it'll be um I think their their relationship will be at their closest, shall we say? And I think that's when the And I'm not convinced that he's a double agent is because I really don't want him to be. But if he is, I think that I think it'll happen at, like toward the end of that same episode. I don't think that the mid-season finale is going to play out the same way that it does on like The Walking Dead. Because, you know, The Walking Dead is one of the shows that kind of started this. And Breaking Bad did the same thing where you get you get half the season and then they have like a big cliffhanger in the middle of the season, break for the holidays, come back in January and, and, and resolve. Um I don't think they're going to do that because the episode that we're going to see next week was planned to be the mid-season finale. They just added the next episode after that to the schedule uh, when the season started. We, we were supposed to only get eight episodes for this first part of the season. They added they added the ninth after the fact. So I'm not sure how if there's going to be as big of a cliffhanger as what we're expecting. I still think I'm right. <laughs> uh, I think that we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have one more episode that's light on the Klingons. There weren't any Klingons in this episode, other than Ash. No. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's why we abandoned the Klingon storyline because we're still following it with Ash. I think I really think so. But I, I, I think it's just like they I, they really do. I, I think it's just a pacing issue. Like it, it's. You know, the, we needed a palate cleanser. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had that on those palate cleanser. But uh, I think that the mid-season finale that we'll get week after next, I think there, I think it's going to be lousy with Klingons. I think there's going to be a lot of Klingons. <laughs> I think it'll be, it'll go back to like the first two episodes where I think that it'll be Klingon centric, and they'll be close enough to smell them, you know. And uh, and I also think that uh, eventually, I don't know if it's going to happen before the break, but I think that Ash is going to break Michael's heart. And it's going to cause her to distance even more from uh, the humans. And I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if that's going to happen before the break or if it's going to be something that happens later on or whatever. I want Lorca at some point to say, this ship is lousy with Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> There's Klingons everywhere. <laughs> Klingons up the wazoo over here. And then the turbo lift opens and David S. Pumpkins is standing. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> yeah, any questions? Can, so can we presume that... Well, I, I I don't know if we should presume it. I would like, you know, the, the whole Ash beats Tribble scenario. He's been on the ship for a while. And he's been, like, in the captain's presence for a while. So it's possible that he's never been in the same room with the Tribble. But... Like yeah, he's probably passed the test at this point. Yeah, it was the other thing that I, I had started to bring up last week, you know, because I was complaining about Saru's threat ganglia earlier that it, they had <laughs> they had not been going off since Ash had been on the ship, but it was pointed out online that they had not been in the same room, at least on camera, up to that point. But in this episode, they were both on the bridge at the same time. So if, I don't know. But you, you would think that him being a uh, security chief on a starship 
that the doctor would have scanned him by now because that's how McCoy figured out that that he was dealing yeah. with the Klingon was that he scanned him with and, a tricorder. And I was looking to see when he disintegrated, did he look kind of Klingon-y? Yeah. <laughs> as, as he Were we going to see ridges on his forehead as he disappeared? Yeah. Was yeah, that a, a Varen? Was that a Varen T disruptor? What was that? Or was, uh, was that like Mal's gun? Weapons, firefly, little antimatter ball. Okay. Yeah, that's why when when Michael swallowed that. But I don't thing. know that I don't know that a human would disintegrate any differently than a Klingon would. Yeah. If exposed to antimatter. Well, when when Michael like dark matter when Michael swallowed dark that uh, dark like matter. I was like, Michael, you don't have to swallow it. I mean, all you have to do is just drop it in front of you. <laughs> I'm sure it. I'm sure. I'm sure it doesn't taste very you good. Know, but she wanted to make sure. Pick, I I really don't buy that she was able to remain expressionless and make no sound if she were being burned from inside out. Yeah. 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 Well, that was. I'm like that was part of the the keeping this episode light. I think you know. We don't want to see this her screaming in pain. This was very much a throwback like that, yeah. to TOS. Mm. Um, you know, like I mean, you said, I, a palate cleanser, I, I, uh, a little, a little, and and uh, you know, I have absolutely nothing to back this up. But what you just said about them adding an episode, because uh, I, you know, I, I knew they did that, but it didn't really click where it would be. It, it may very because this episode could take place at any point. Yeah, because there is nothing to connect it to any other thing that's happened before or after. Well, maybe after I don't know, but um, well, I think, I think they mentioned how much time has passed. But you're right; that's easy enough to so. Manipulate. This may not have been intended to be in this place, or maybe CBS had said, "We're going to wait and see what the subscription numbers are." Um, whether you, I, I, I can't believe that CBS just came out of nowhere and said, oh, we want one more episode. Because, you know, you can't just pull those out of your ass. Um, right. So that may have been the placeholder in case they got an extra episode. Well, honestly, I hope they did a lot of that. I hope they have a lot of place epi- placeholders because it means that they're standalone episodes and it means that it's not yeah. all one huge, every single episode is part of the arc. Like, I would love if they got some... If they can shuffle some around, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah the original- but that might, but that might mean that what was originally intended to be the 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 mid season finale still is. Right. Yeah, and the I mean the original order was for twelve episodes, I think, and they stretched that out to fifteen uh, yeah. last year sometime. So yeah, so there's there's been some shuffling around, and like you said, this episode may not have been intended to be where it was, which would make what I said earlier about. Uh, the admiral's kidnapping not even being referenced here uh might make that make a little bit more sense so yeah okay with well i think with the mid- uh, go ahead sorry with the mid-season finale coming up and then of course the season going to be over until maybe 2019 they're saying uh what do you think the truckers are going to do what do you think us trekkies are going to do do we do we keep subscribed to cbs to help finance the new star trek or, or you think a lot of people are going to cancel well, and then rejoin when it comes i'm gonna back cancel <laughs> i'm gonna cancel <laughs> i think cbs has got to, i mean unless they are incredibly stupid they have got to know that the subscriptions to cbs all access are going to take a serious dive as during uh once the season's over well, I said something like a week or so ago about because everybody was like, I'm only on CBS All Access because of Star Trek. So I was like, okay, you know what? Let me do a little PSA about the other good shows on CBS All Access. And they aren't there. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, they like Elementary is a great show. You can't mm. watch any. Uh, right. Big Bang Theory. I think you get like three episodes. Mm. Uh, they've got like they've got they got basically the whole NBC Thursday Night lineup from 1989. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. God, because no. it's CBS. Yeah, exactly. They have Survivor like, if you're into that. I like that, but there's not a lot every, there. They got like every you know all 800 episodes of Big Brother. I'm like, who gives a shit? A Big Brother? <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, the term. Should I get into <laughs> CSI or NCIS? Should I watch all of it? I don't I'm know. Like, just, One of the know. best shows of the past ten years, in my opinion, Person of Interest, was on that channel. You can't; they don't have any episodes. I'm like, why? How are you calling yourself CBS All Access when I can't access your show? That's what I was gonna say. It, it's called CBS All Access. You would think that that would mean that everything CBS has ever made is on there. You would think, but it's not. Or because there's a yeah. there's a there's a sitcom that comes on. That I can't remember the name of off the top of my head right now, but it's got it's got Tom Hanks' son in it, and it's got um, Life in Pieces. Yeah, Life in Pieces. And I started watching that this season. I caught an episode, and I thought it was really funny. So I went to CBS All Access to catch up. They've only got season three on there. They don't have season one and two on there. So it's, yeah. it's kind of weird. They've got all. You of- know, you know, you know what you need. You need to watch Caroline in the City. <laughs> You can watch every yes, episode please. of Caroline in the City. Yes, please. So what do we do? Do we cancel or do we do we keep it? I'm thinking if a lot of people cancel, they're going to go, holy crap, people just want Star Trek, so why don't we make more Star Trek? Why don't we do an Enterprise movie or something? Uh, or are they just not that smart and they'll just take the subscriptions for two months every year? Or I think will... are they going to uh, maybe wake up and put more content on there. That That's really all they need to do. I would be fine with that. Would you pay the a lot of money? It's like, I think I'm on like the seven bucks a month plan. I'm paying 11 That's... something. I think would you pay yeah. the money if they did like DS nine or Voyager in uh, high def, they went in and redid them. They won't. They, they, they <laughs> wouldn't make their money back on that. No matter how many people well, I subscribed. Think, weren't you saying that, um, discovery is basically paid by paid for through Netflix. Yeah, like the Netflix subscription covered it, so they don't necessarily need. It's it's dumb for them not to do it. It's it's. I mean, and that's what I was saying. They they honestly they could have waited until for if if it's a licensing thing where they can't show those shows or other. They got what ten years of Big Bang Theory. You yeah. know, it's not my favorite show, but like it's a really it's like the number one show. Like, why would you not? Why would you have? Why would you put one show as the linchpin for this whole thing when you have other content? And those episodes are not anywhere else. You can't watch Big Bang Theory anywhere. It's not. It's not on Hulu. It's not on. It. It may be on Netflix. I'm not sure. I know it's not on Hulu. But I, I've got one one word for you: residuals. Every time they air that show, they've got to pay the people in that show a shitload of money. But why would you call it CBS All Access? Is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, what the fuck, man? Some access. Yeah. <laughs> CBS Some Access. Yeah. yeah well, I, that's the CBS that's the problem. Is CBS, NBC, and ABC are clueless when it comes to the internet. Now, I've applauded CBS for creating CBS All Access and for being, you know, finally pulling their heads out of the mud and realizing that. Streaming is is the future, and that a la carte 
television is what we've been asking for for decades now. And uh, but they, you know, even then they're still doing it stupidly. Uh, uh, you know, it, to me, it's just honestly calling it all access is just a poke in the eye. Yeah. Like if they if they were to call it, you know, CBS online, CBS now, CBS go, CBS. Uh, Not even CBS. That makes people angry because they're like, I already pay for my free CBS from my cable. <laughs> yeah, that's one. That's an argument that I've been CBS Ultra, CBS Extra, what anything but something that indicates that I'm going to have all the access to your content, <laughs> literally anything else. Yeah, that, that... all of Frasier's on there, I think, but that's an NBC show. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, and it's on Hulu <laughs> too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's and a, Netflix. That's and a Netflix. Um, uh, argument that I've been having online. Well. I was having online. I've stopped arguing with people online. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh, you think you have? Yeah. I mean, there, there's there, there's people that, that say I'm not paying for Star Trek. You know, blah 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 blah. And then in the next sentence, they'll start talking about how great Stranger Things is. Well, why <laughs> why will you pay for Netflix because to specifically get this show, but you don't want to pay for CBS to specifically get this other show that you know you're probably gonna like? It's Star Trek. But right. uh, but then they're 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 so mad because well the people in the UK don't have to pay for it the people in Canada don't have to pay for it it's like they don't have yeah, to pay for pay their for healthcare, healthcare either either oh. <laughs> true <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my my question is bigger picture uh, what should I do to get more Star Trek should I keep paying my eleven dollars a month or should I cancel when it's over and then rejoin what gets me more Star Trek I think that they're gonna um, I think that they're gonna learn that if they keep if they keep making uh, even more shows other than just Discovery, like if they go with their plan to make a uh, a con prequel, like they're talking about, and oh, that would be dreadful. <laughs> they don't even need to make. That's what I'm saying. They don't even need to make more. They just need to allow us to see CBS shows that already exist. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's it. That's it. I would love to I see would, Star Trek continues continue on CBS All Access if they could get that whole crew and that those guys and writers and actors. That'd be awesome. That would be that would be awesome. I I can't I imagine what it would cost to do that show professionally. Uh, and I don't think that he would. I kind of got the sense that it's you know this was a finite love letter. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't think he. Uh, they ever intended to just keep making episodes. And I think that it would go, that the quality would probably go down if they were doing it weekly, as you know, because they spend so much time putting these episodes together. It takes months. You know, that's why we've only got ten episodes, and it, and it's been out for two, mm-hmm. three years. And if they did it on CBS, wouldn't that make them canon? Yeah. Yeah, it would. I, I consider it such anyway, because it's written by Star Trek writers for the most part, right? Yeah, I just, well. Well, and Vic. <laughs> Vic <laughs> yeah. wrote a lot of them, too. Uh, re- I don't know. Re- just dream it. Fanboy dream. Yeah, I, I, that would be awesome, but I, I don't see that happening, uh, unfortunately. Like Doctor Who, give me 10 episodes of Star Trek Continues a year, and I'll pay all year round. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm I've been for, I've been I'm wrestling with that question myself. American Gods. Mm-hmm. Still paying for Star. Well, at this point, it's they have a lot of kids' movies. So yeah, my my wife is watching Outlander, that. so I haven't love that show. My... Now, if they go the way that I think that they're going to go, because I think that uh, within the next year or so, when the licenses run out, you're going to see the 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 other Star Trek series disappear from Netflix and Hulu, and I think they're only going to be available on CBS All Access. And if that happens, 
then I'll probably keep paying because I'm not going to go out and buy those DVDs. <laughs> yeah. you know? I feel like they should have, I mean, uh, as much as I wanted to see a new Star Trek show, they should have waited for that because now it's, you know, they got one tire with air in it. <laughs> like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, okay, can we just wait until we have at least two? Ooh, no, we got to go right now. When you think about it, $10 a month isn't bad to have all of Star Trek in your pocket at all times. No. No. Yeah. And if, if they I, did that, I, I might stay on. Now I have that on Netflix. As of right mm-hmm. now, I have that on Netflix and yeah. I think Hulu. And the thing, and maybe. And another Amazon thing is Prime that uh, I don't know if it if it happens with you guys, but CBS All Access acts really gl- glitchy with my Chromecast because mm. when yeah, I, it well it, it's not the Chromecast; it's their servers. They can't handle the because I was watching we um we we started watching Magic to make even a sane man weep or whatever it oh, was man, yeah. um uh, last <laughs> night we started watching it at eight o'clock because i was just kind of playing around on the internet and just for giggles i went to cbs all access to see if it was there and it was there so I was like hey honey we can watch her we can start watching it early and it ran fine until 8 30 that's mm-hmm. when everybody and after 8 30 yeah. is when it started locking up um they, you know, and last week was terrible. La- you know, yeah, last it was week. unwatchable last week. Yeah. Um, now I watch it. You know, I watch it on my I watch it on my computer because I work on Sunday nights, so I've got it on on one of my monitors while I'm working, and it works fine on the PC. But if well, I if your I, computer, your monitor at, at your job is probably got a pretty powerful signal, given what you're. <laughs> yeah, and you're like monitoring security and well. You know, last week, keeping the city I, safe. Last week we watched. We always watch it, uh, throwing it to the Chromecast from my from my Nexus Seven tablet. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it and it usually works just fine. Then I come in here and on the computer I watch After Trek, and we watched uh, Lethe on the TV from my from my tablet and. There were a couple of times where it froze up a little bit, but it was just it was fine. I could not watch After Trek. It it would not it would not play. It would play for like two minutes. The audio would get out of sync with the video and then it would just freeze. And finally after, you know, half an hour I was like, screw it, I'll watch it later. Um, what yeah. what was worse is they scheduled the replay for eight thirty PM Pacific. So whoever put that in the episode wouldn't even start or oh. nine nine thirty p.m. Pacific. So the, when it was supposed to, the replay was supposed to start. It didn't start. Mm. So all kinds of messed up. But oh, yeah, they need Star to get Trek their fans, servers so. under control. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've also noticed. I, I that can't it, say I'm surprised. You know, like I said, it's. I think it's amazing that one of the big three even has the wherewithal to have an internet channel. Yeah. But I'm not at all surprised that they're they're doing it so badly. It's just. They they just don't have a clue, and they don't realize that they're digging their own graves. That the 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 major networks are the dinosaurs watching the asteroid come down through the through the sky, mm-hmm. and like ooh pretty lights. Yeah, because um, Netflix and Hulu both have original programming, but they don't have a specific time that it's mm-hmm. released. It's just yeah. if it's going to be released on the third, then it's released at midnight on the third, and then you can watch it whenever you want. You know, and it, and they don't. Th- their thing is. Yeah, they have original programming, but that's not, I didn't get Netflix or Hulu for original programming. I got them because they show, they have the shows that I want to see. Yeah, and they don't show commercials. So Hulu does, bastards. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, they didn't used to. They lied. 
bastard. Because yeah. <laughs> I because I signed up for Hulu Plus or whatever, oh. and you know, yeah, it was supposed to be like all episodes of every season with no commercials. But then you know, well, if you get the feeling themselves, yeah, if you get that 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 next tier, they put the commercials at the beginning and the end, and they don't run the commercials in the middle. So yeah, now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so who, who would an early adopter? Who would have thought a bunch of uh, Star Trek fans would all want to watch the brand new episode all at once on the internet? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, of course. I, I, you know, what, what, what's what's the old saying? The internet was invented for two things. Star Trek's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, th- the three. Star Trek and Cats and then the other thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right episode of Star Trek, you can get all three. all right i think that's uh that's a good place for us to stop hey um alby you want to you want to tell us a little bit about the things that you that you're working on sure uh like you mentioned uh i run barren space uh productions it's you can see or you can hear all of our shows and see some of them we have a few video shows on barrenspace.com as an empty space b-a-r-r-o-n-s-b-a-c-e.com um, my, um, thing we're doing right now is a quantum leap podcast and, uh, we're on the episode about the magician. If you remember that one, it's called the great spontini. So that'll be coming out soon and, uh, check me out on alby.ws and uh, I also do movie reviews for totlb.com. All right. Well, I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed myself talking about star Trek. Love it. And, uh, Please come back. Absolutely. John. Pleasure as always, sir. Yeah, man. I have to give John some credit because he wanted to he wanted to be on the show last week, but we had an opportunity to have uh, Allison Downing and uh, Michael Chan Freeman on the show, and Scott was here too. Five on the mic is pushing it. Six is insanity. <laughs> so, <laughs> so John was very gracious and bowed out to make room for them, and I very much appreciated it. So I wanted to give him uh, props for that. Oh. So. Not at all. It was um, it's an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> <laughs> and Rick, as always, a pleasure. You have not heard the last of Harcourt Fenton, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure we haven't. <laughs> okay, everybody, don't forget about our feedback contest. If you leave us a uh, five star rating and a review on iTunes, and I'm going to open this. Up, I'm going to open the contest up to. Uh, the Facebook group and to SoundCloud. So if you post something on the group, uh, leave us a comment on SoundCloud, or you leave us a rating and a review on iTunes, you will be entered into a drawing to win a copy of David Mack's Discovery tie-in novel, Desperate Hours, which is an adventure featuring Michael Burnham as the first officer of the Shinzu about a year before the Vulcan Hello. So uh, leave us something on the group, rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or you can send us a text message or a voicemail to area code 205-642-8380 area code 205-642-8380 and you will be entered into that drawing your text messaging rates may apply and that'll do it for this week make sure you join us next week when we will be talking about episode 8 which is titled forgive me because it's latin uh, CV Pacum Parabellum yeah that <laughs> and it looks like the crew of the Discovery will finally be visiting a planet. So uh, we'll talk to you then. Thank you for joining us for Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. 
Your feedback is welcome. Leave us a comment and review on iTunes or follow us on Facebook. The views and opinions stated on this program are those of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of Simply Syndicated, CBS, Paramount Pictures, or their sponsors. Star Trek Discovery is owned by CBS and has no affiliation with Simply Syndicated or this podcast. No infringement of copyrighted material is intended. Be sure to join us again next week as we analyze another episode of Star Trek Discovery here on Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show.